Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon or morning, wherever you may be. Welcome to another exciting episode of Let's Coach, the show that brings the best from the coaching world for you to use in your everyday life, and we talk about what coaching can do for you. We bring you great small business ideas and some good news stories, stories about people paying it forward in their everyday lives. So I want to warn you guys today for this week's show, um, we've had a lot of up and down weather in my area where it's going to be almost 60 degrees today, but in other days it's been colder and it's finally gotten a hold of me where I have this head cold. So if my voice ends up sounding a little different at times, that's the congestion and everything, but hey, I'm not going to let a head cold slow me down and I'm excited to be here for our show today. We're going to be talking about how to make choices that will lead to a healthier, happier life with our guest expert, Martine Foreman. And she's a blogger, writer, and certified health coach, and she's a speaker. But before we get to our guest, I just want to give you, for those who are listening for the first time, a little introduction about who I am so you guys will get to know me. So I am Carolyn R. Owens, and I'm the Chairwoman and CEO of Infinity Coaching Incorporated, where we help you up-level your skills so you can up-level your income, your life, your career or business. And we offer career, leadership, and life coaching. We do one-on-one coaching, group coaching. We have workshops and assessments, as well as organizational training that helps our clients create the life of their dreams. And I have to say, we have a lot of fun in the process. I really enjoy being able to serve. I served in the military for over 24 years. And for me, being a coach and doing the training is another way to serve, to be able to help people live up to their full potential and have the best life possible, excel in your careers or have that great business that you've always wanted. And so you can follow me all over social media, you can find me on Facebook at um, infinitycoaching.co, on Twitter, which if, if you guys have been watching for a while, you know Twitter is my primary favorite social media platform. And you can find me there at Carol R. Owens. But also you can find me, uh, Instagram's now coming a close second there to Twitter, so you can find me on Instagram at Carolyn R. Owens. And then I'm also on LinkedIn, um, and I do very little on Google+, Plus, but find me all over social media. You can always email me if you have any comments or feedback about the show, any suggestions or ideas. You can email me at coens at infinitycoaching.net or always to find out more about me and my business, Infinity Coaching, just take a look at my website at infinitycoaching.net. So we always start the show with uh, some events or local things across the uh, world or globe that are happening, be it virtual or local or live events. And so I want to mention, you've been hearing me talk about it, and I was able, I'm interviewing a lot of speakers for this event, and this is the Pink event. You guys always hear us talking about the Pink event, and this year is the seventh annual one, and it's the ultimate Women's Day Out. And it will be March 5th, 2017, here in the D.C. area, the DMV area. And it takes place at the BWI Marriott. It's a great event where there will be speakers, a panel. You have the Pamper Lounge, um, one of the favorite places where you'll be able to experience services that you wouldn't other experience. They have manicures that are being done, um, 
chair massages. There's uh, demonstrations of henna being uh, used, as well as there's lunch that is, is being able to serve if you get the VIP ticket. There's entertainment. Desiree Jordan will be singing as well as a DJ throughout the day. And the event takes place from 12.30 to 5.30. Excuse me, yeah, 12. It's either 12 or 12.30, forgive me, to 5.30 on March 5th, and it's a Sunday. It's uh, late enough that if you go to early service, early church service, you can still make it there afterwards. And there's also exhibitors. The exhibitors, it, it's such an exciting event that the exhibitor space is sold out way before, uh, I think it was even the end of the year, you know, a few months before the event. And so it's always a great time. You meet new people, and they're the regulars that come every year. Uh, this is my, is it fourth year attending? I've spoken at the event. I've attended the event. I've been an ambassador for the event for two years now. And I, it's for me to promote it in such a way, it's a really positive event. And there's a charity raffle to where for all the tickets that are purchased from the charity raffle goes to a charity. So it's it, it's not just an event, but there's a true giving back component to it. It's definitely a great event to attend. And to find out more about it, you can go to the website at thepinkevent.net. You can also go to, if you put in the, the Pink Event Ultimate Women's Day uh, number 7, and you put that in the Facebook, then you'll find the page there, and you can follow all the information, the speakers, the exhibitors, uh, some motivational statements and articles that are being put out there, or you can follow it on Twitter at The Pink Event. So definitely check that out. And we're, you know, our guest today, Martine Foreman, is actually going to be speaking at the Pink Event. So we're excited to get a kind of taste, a tease of what she'll be presenting there on March 5th. So the second event I want to uh, mention is also in the DMV area. And the tickets aren't on sale yet, but I want you guys to save the date. This is one of the premier events for anyone in the career development, career coaching, career counselor arena. And it's the Maryland Career Development Association Conference. And this will be taking place April 20th, the evening of April 27th and during the day on April 28th in Columbia, Maryland. And if you go to uh, mdcareers.org, not only will you see the conference, but you'll see other events and training that they have available. And for me, I am a um, SPHR certified with SHRM, and I'm also certified with uh, HRCI, but it also helps you get those type of credits to keep your uh, certifications up to date. So it's definitely a great conference to get awarded some of the credits you needed. I will definitely be there. In fact, um, I haven't really announced it yet, but I actually will be speaking at that event April 28th. So it's definitely a good event to attend. I served as the president of the organization, so I'm very in uh, support of the mission, what they do, and the information that they're going to be putting out. So you definitely want to um, check that out if you're in the career development or even if you're interested in going into that field, or if you're in human resources, I highly encourage you to go just to understand, you know, that it's about, this year's theme is about bringing joy back into the process, the whole process of career development, the whole process of your career. So I'm excited for that. And again, that's April 28th, 27th and 28th, the evening of the 27th. And you can go to mdcareers.org for that one. <clears throat> And so that's our uh, two announcements for the day. I said I'm excited for 
what we will be hearing and listening to that day. And so we have, our guest is not on the line yet, but I can go ahead and introduce her so you can know a little bit more about her before we start the interview. I'm definitely excited to have her here with us today, Uh, definitely an expert in her field. And I love being people on who not only do they have the educational experience, the educational knowledge behind them, but they also have the experience, and it was also a significant part of who they are in their life and how they went into a career field that driven by some of the experiences they had, so you know it's truly coming from a passionate place. You know, many women will, they have this story where, you know, you have a career, you have a spouse, and then you have children. But through all of this, we're giving so much of ourselves that we have this dreaded weight gain. You know, we pack on 20, 30 pounds, and we just don't see where in a day do we have time. And, you know, we're pulling into uh, the drive-thru or we're snacking at work or, you know, it's hard to turn away from some of the things. And then our body gets accustomed to craving and wanting these types of foods. And we set these goals, especially this time of year. You know, it's the start of a new year. You get all these resolutions and goals and how we're going to be healthy. But somehow we don't achieve these goals. You know, we find ourselves stuck. And I know if you're like me, my son's a teenager now, and you hear people saying, but those extra pounds are still that baby weight, and your kid's 15, 14 years old, they're your baby, all right. But our lives just become so hectic that we stop taking care of ourselves, and it's like this overwhelm. It's just stressful because then we don't have this forgiving nature about losing the weight, about letting go of it. Um, and it's pretty stressful. But our guest this week has actually experienced this, and she's actually been able to change her lifestyle and now works with individuals to help them move forward. That She found a way out of this cycle, and now she helps other people find a way out of this cycle. So Martine Foreman is a speaker, a writer. She's a certified health coach and the founder of Candid Bell. It's a lifestyle blog that's dedicated to helping moms build better relationships and live healthier, happier lives. And she does this through speaking engagements, workshops. She has some awesome digital products. And she provides a lot of insightful content, and that's what we're going to definitely get today, some insight on this whole thing. And she has her coaching service. But she strives to really help women find the courage to build the confidence and focus on wellness so that we can make better choices, that we can live healthier, happier lives. So she was recently selected to serve as a speaker at the 7th Annual Pink event, the event that I was just talking about. And you can actually um, connect to her website and see her there if you go to thepinkevent.net and go to speakers. You'll see all the speakers there, including Martine. And so I'm excited, and I believe we have her on the line today. If you double-check here. Good afternoon. Welcome to Let's Coach. Martine, is that you? Yes, good afternoon. How are you? Okay, thank you so much for being here with us today. You know, as someone Thank you who for having is, me. You know, <laughs> as a single parent, a person who's been with the up and down yo-yo weight and lifestyle, um, I'm definitely excited to see what we can learn from you today. And it's um, interesting how we know that you know, you experience your whole story itself of ex- what you 
experience starting as young in his middle school. Um, mm-hmm. What was it like, your childhood like, when you talk about in terms of health and wellness? Um, you know, I always joke and say the last time, the last um, memory that I have of being thin is when I was maybe four. <laughs> but I always remember being <laughs> overweight as a child. Um, I like to eat a lot. And, um, of course, as a child I didn't realize it. But I think maybe back then I was kind of just eating to mask emotions or eating because I was bored. So eating just kind of became a habit. It wasn't something that I did only when I was hungry. And it was to the point where I would, like, kind of sneak and hide stuff. Like I had an older um, – I have an older brother, so, like, I would sneak and hide Twinkies and sneak and hide cookies because I didn't want him to make fun of me or see that I was eating again. Um, So um, as a really young child, it didn't pose too much of a problem, but, you know, kids can be mean. So as I progressed into middle school, um, it really became an issue, and I remember there were a group of um, kids that would make fun of me almost every day. So middle school is a a little miserable for me, and, you know, it does a lot to your self-esteem and your self worth and you kind of have to get up every morning and pull it together because staying home is not an option but it really um, kind of took a toll on how I felt about myself and about my body and of course back then I didn't really you know I wanted to lose weight but I didn't really know what that meant or what that would look like or what I needed to do to kind of make that happen so it was really just me kind of trying to deal with the pain that came with you know kids making fun of me. And, um, you know, there are kids still in middle school, like now in high school and middle school, that experience that. Um, do you see that it's changed or do you still see that dynamic in the, in school for kids? Um, you know, my kids are pretty young, so they're not at an age where they've really ever expressed to me that they've noticed, you know, kids making fun of other kids. But I have friends with older kids, um, and they've definitely shared either experiences with their own children being made fun of because of their size or their kids hearing kids making fun of other kids. So I think it's still pretty prevalent, and I think it still happens. Um, And I think with um, social media, um, I think it can be even more painful for kids now, yeah, because it's not just the, you know, the verbal attacks you have to deal with in person at school, but now it's like even outside of school hours, you may still have to deal with someone commenting on a picture of yours on Instagram or someone commenting and saying something negative about you on Facebook or over Twitter. So um, I think in a lot of ways it's the same, but maybe even more complex than it was when I was in middle school. What do you think allowed you to move forward past that? I mean, because you went on Um, and went to uh, Syracuse University. You went to, was it University of Maryland as well? Yes. Um, I think a lot of it was being surrounded by um, the right people, you know. Um, I think my mom was always really supportive. Um, And I think there was maybe two sides to that, right? So in a lot of ways, she always made me feel like I was beautiful and um, that I was really smart. But my mom struggled with her weight as well. So I would kind of watch her doing things like taking, you know, drinking diet teas to see if the tea would help her lose weight or, you know, getting caught up in whatever the new trend or the new gimmick was. And sometimes I would ask her, can I do that with you too? And she'd say, no, you're too young. Um, So I think even though she did her best to be supportive and make me feel beautiful, I think by watching her struggle the way she did and not being happy in her own skin, I think that had, um, 
a significant impact on me as well. But thankfully, um, from a young age, I was able to surround myself with a pretty good group of friends. And um, the woman who's my best friend today has actually been my best friend since I was nine. Um, And I think having that support, yeah, I think having that support system and having people that saw the good in me and didn't see my weight when they saw me, but they saw, like, that I was smart or that I was funny or that I was loyal or creative or whatever it was, I think allowed me to start seeing the good in myself. And even though I'm not going to lie and say the weight stopped bothering me completely, but it started bothering me less and less as I got older. And then by the time I got to college, um, I think I started to realize that it wasn't just about how I looked, but it was also about my life and how long would I live and what would my quality of life look like. And the thing that kind of finally got me to a point where I decided to start changing my lifestyle and my eating habits and my fitness habits was actually losing my uncle and my grandmother in the same year to strokes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, My uncle was relatively young. He was in his early 50s um, and he died very unexpectedly. And then my grandmother um, had heart disease and she had suffered a stroke a couple years early earlier and it took her life that year. So I think having those experiences back to back made me realize and at the time my mom also had hypertension. So it kind of made me realize like what my future was going to look like if I didn't change my habits. So it finally I think clicked, and it wasn't really just about fitting into a particular size or pleasing other people, but it was about wanting to live um, and wanting to live and be happy and not still struggle with my weight in 10, 20, 30 years. So that finally triggered um, a slow change of habits and allowed me to finally get to a place where I looked at health and wellness differently. You know, it's interesting that the point that you brought up where we don't think – we think about our kids watching us in terms of our careers, but we don't think of them watching our eating habits and the different things we're doing in terms of our health. We don't emphasize yep. that enough. How much of that becomes? true. Yeah, it's like a learned behavior of watching. If you, you mentioned that your um, mom was doing the dieties and all of this, uh, you know, it's a big financial industry with all these diet supplements and products out there. But if a child is watching this, what are we teaching them? It is. It's absolutely true. We focus on, you know, making sure they get a good education and making sure that they're kind and making sure that they love themselves. And, of course, all those things are critical. They're really, really important. But, um, yeah, as you said, we don't really put as much emphasis on what they're watching in our behavior, you know, from the way we interact with others to the way we manage our own personal relationships to what we eat. So, you know, um, it's so easy to be concerned about your kids consuming too much sugar and giving them a whole lecture about why they can't eat a bowl of candy before they go to bed at night. But for a lot of us that do that, the truth is if your kids kind of sneak and wake up at 9, 10 p.m., they might catch you indulging on a big bowl of, like, brownies and ice cream, and you don't even know that they're watching you. And it's kind of like that whole, like, do as I say, not as I do. But the truth is they're watching very, very closely. Yeah, and, I, you know, it's really it, – it, it, it hits home a lot when you think of – um, the the diet pills and everything that so many people, you know, I've seen uh, people I know who actually, where your mother said no to you, they will give those pills to their children um, mm-hmm. before they're 15. You know, they're because they're it's the 
opposite end where they're obsessed that the child has to lose the weight, so they're going through unconventional means to get the weight off the, the child. But you made an interesting point, and you used health and weight kind of in the same sentence where being healthy doesn't necessarily mean being thin. Yeah, it's true. I think sometimes wellness and health is automatically um, associated with being thin. Um, And I think there's so much, it goes so much deeper than that. So when I work with clients, I focus on, you know, not just your physical health, but like your day-to-day habits and the quality of your relationships and your mental health and what are things like um, in your career. Because I think all of those things kind of connect and they impact your health. So I think you'll be hard-pressed to find a person who is in really, really poor physical health who's truly happy. Even if they're at the top of their game in their profession, um, I think your physical health impacts other areas of your life. It impacts your ability to parent. It impacts your intimate relationships. It impacts your relationships with your colleagues. Um, It impacts your quality of sleep. It just impacts every area of your life. And I think it's more about just this holistic approach to wellness and health instead of just being so stuck on this number, on the scale. So like I tell clients, if you're pressed to get into a size two, I'm not the right coach for you because <laughs> that's not my focus, right? <laughs> um, will you potentially, will you lose weight working with me? Yes. But for me, that's not the main focus. Um, and I'll give you an example. Like I'm not a big fan of before and after pictures. Um, I think oh. they're great for individuals. So I think if I have, like, in my house, I have, like, a before picture of myself, and then I have, um, and then I reach a goal, and then I put up an after picture, I think that's awesome, because you're tracking your own personal progress, and it kind of allows you to see how far you've come and what you've done. But when before and after pictures are shared publicly, they make me cringe a little bit, because I feel like one person's after is another person's before. So I feel like it puts us in this place where people are constantly comparing themselves to others, right? So someone might weigh 400 pounds and lose half their body weight, and they've, they now weigh 200 pounds. And that's a huge, right. that's like, that's a massive success, right? But now you're comparing, like, this after picture, which for someone else who's maybe a different height or had a different goal, that 200 pounds might actually be someone else's before picture, and their after picture might be them at 120 pounds. So I think because that before and after is so individualized and it's really a matter of what are your personal goals? Are you diabetic and you're trying to get off insulin? Are you hypertensive and you want to regulate your blood pressure? Um, Are you having problems with your knee joints? Is there a particular weight your doctor thinks you should be at because of a medical condition that you have? So I think um, it's important for us to track before and after for ourselves, but I think we have to be a little bit careful about looking at before and after pictures we see on TV or in magazines or on the media because it can kind of give you a false sense of I'm not doing enough, I haven't reached my goal fast enough. And that's what gets people caught up in these pills and teas and all of these quick fixes because everybody wants a quick fix and they want to have their after look like someone else's after. But not, that may not be for you and I mean, that may not be the size that you need to be. Not everyone's going to be a size 4 or a size 8 
8 or a size 12. So you have to focus on where are you right now and what's this place where you'll be comfortable in your own skin and that you'll be happy with your blood pressure numbers and your blood sugar numbers and all of those things. I think that's far more important than focusing on this after image. You know, that's it because all over, that's what you see a lot of fitness and health coaches do is they will post the before and afters of their clients, and some of them, their before is so thin that you're like, okay. <laughs> um, you see it so much on Instagram, always in the news feed, and that's mm-hmm. a, a, a different approach because you don't think about when you look at that picture, the effect that it's having on someone who, like you said, when they go from 400 pounds to 200 pounds, that's a significant accomplishment, but they get trapped in not feeling that way, and they end up putting some of the weight back on. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It makes someone feel like, oh, I've done all this work, and it's still not enough because you know, my after picture is now bigger than what this person's before picture is. So that's why, you know, and I know it's hard. You can't really avoid them, right? Like you said, it's, it's everywhere. You open Instagram, you see it. You turn the TV on, there's like a commercial for a weight loss program, and you see it. Um, but I kind of try to share my perspective with people so people can at least be mindful of it and kind of shift out of this mindset of, um, you know, comparing and realizing that everyone's before is different and everyone's after is different and everyone's lifestyle is different, everyone's goal is different, and that's okay. That's how it's meant to be. We're not all supposed to be the same size and weigh the same thing. It's supposed to look different for everyone, so focus on your own successes instead of worrying about what anyone else is accomplishing. Sorry, I mentioned earlier I have this head cold, so I've been holding that coffin. <laughs> it's okay. I just came off having a cold, so I do understand. You, you know, there's you mentioned the mindset, and mm-hmm. when we when we think of mindset, um, I recall uh, it was a while ago I read an article about an individual who had lost a lot of weight, but once she lost the weight, she wasn't happy. And that's from what I'm gathering about your coaching approach is that you don't you're not solely looking on the food and everything. You're looking at that mindset, and that losing the weight doesn't necessarily take away all the things that are, have led up to that moment where they did gain the weight. Yeah, absolutely. I think mindset is so important um, because usually the weight is not just about the weight, right? So if someone gains weight, um, there are typically a lot of factors in their life that kind of contributed to them reaching that point. Um, So to kind of try to make it a quick fix or to kind of act like it's just about these 10, 20, 30, 100 pounds, whatever, um, I think is almost kind of like a Band-Aid solution. So it's like, yeah, sure, you could find some quick way to lose that weight, um, and you might experience some momentary level of joy from losing it, but the reality is there's a good chance the weight's going to come back. And if you haven't addressed the mindset and the behaviors and the habits that kind of led to you gaining the weight, you know, in the first place, then I don't know how long-term 
your success is going to be. And I think for most of us, especially for busy, busy moms, I work with busy working moms, you don't, who really has time for this like yo-yo, like to constantly be like gaining weight and losing weight and gaining weight and losing weight. It's so frustrating. It's time consuming. And it really, it's demoralizing too, because it's like every time you reach a goal, you feel great. And the next thing you know, life gets crazy, it gets hectic, and you kind of put the weight back and don't even realize it's happening. So I think it's so important for us to kind of focus on the bigger picture, which is how did I get here? How did I put this weight on? Is this a new issue in my life or is this an issue that I've carried into adulthood from when I was a child? And kind of trying to address what those things are before you develop a plan to take the weight off and develop healthier, happier habits. And then you also have to kind of look at what are some other things in my life that impact how I eat, that impact um what I eat, where I eat, all of those things I think are really, really important as well. So I do. I think there's so many different angles that you have to take um, to lose the weight and to lose it. The goal should be to lose the weight and to sustain the weight loss. It shouldn't be rushing to lose the weight. So it's not like, oh, I have to lose 10 pounds in one month because I need to fit into this dress. Um, I'm not about that. I don't, I don't think, I'm not judging anyone that does that. But I think um, if you're going to invest, you know, in working with a coach, I would, I would think that you want a long-term solution and that you want something that's also going to work into your lifestyle. So I think that's really, really an important part of it is just helping someone establish realistic goals as well. So I'm not going to tell a working mom that's working 40 to 50 hours a week and juggling her kids and taking care of an aging parent and doing who knows what else that she needs to hit the gym for an hour and a half every day. I don't think that's a realistic way to help someone achieve their goals. I think that's setting them up for failure because even if she's Mm -hmm. able to modify her life and hit the gym for an hour and a half every day for two weeks, the likelihood of her sustaining that habit is really slim. So it's really customizing a plan for someone that's sustainable. Now, the plan that works for your lifestyle may mean that it might take you a little bit longer to reach your goal than someone else, but it will also mean that it will make it a lot more likely that you'll be able to sustain that success once you reach your goal. So I do. I think it's so much more important than focusing on a number or just focusing on food and fitness, I think you have to focus on your mental health and you have to focus on the overall quality of your life so that everything kind of comes together for your betterment so that you can reach your goal. You know, I want to remind our listeners, if you have a question for Martine, our certified health coach, or if you have a question for me as your host, you can give us a call at 773-897-6124. That's 773-897-6124. And so there are a lot of myths and beliefs around weight loss and about Mm -hmm. being healthy. And one of them is, um, I've heard different viewpoints on this one, so I'd love to hear yours, Mm -hmm. um, where they say you need to weigh yourself every day. Get on that scale every day. Um, I've I've heard a lot of opinions about this as well. Um, I'm not a fan of um, weighing yourself every day. I don't think it's necessary. I think weight fluctuates a lot, um, and 
sometimes people get so caught up on that number on a scale, they think they're either doing better than they are or they think they're doing worse than they are. Um, so I think weighing yourself um, every single day can kind of mess with your head a little bit, in my opinion. Um, so, for example, when I lost weight, when I initially lost um the weight in college when I had that whole shift of mindset and I changed all of my habits. I didn't weigh myself for three months. Um, oh, just because it didn't, it didn't feel like, <laughs> I didn't. Yeah. And I, and I, yeah. I got on the scale. It might've even been four months. I really didn't weigh myself for yeah, three to four months. I knew what my starting weight was. And um, I just kind of went about the business of changing my habits and changing how I ate and what time I ate and changing my um, fitness habits. And um, I knew I was um, moving towards my goal because I felt better. I had more energy. And then um, after a period of time, I also knew whatever I was doing was working because my clothes didn't fit anymore and things were getting too big for me. Um, So I think when I finally decided to stand on the scale – it was really because my clothes had gotten big enough to the point where I was like, I kind of need to buy new clothes. So I was like, I wonder how much I weigh. And then I finally stood on the scale, and I had lost, um, I think, almost 40 pounds at that point. So that worked well for me. Now, I'm not suggesting that everyone needs to just, you know, weigh yourself and don't look at it for four months, right? Because I think that could be really tough for people. But I also think Mm -hmm. daily – I don't know. It almost it feels unnecessary and it feels counterproductive to me. Um, I think weekly is reasonable. So picking a day and a time every week where um, you weigh yourself, say it's Monday mornings before you head out to work, then make that your time. Monday morning, take your shower. When you're done with the shower, weigh yourself, document it, and then leave the scale alone for the rest of the week and then weigh yourself the following Monday. I think that gives you more of a um, realistic um, perspective in terms of are you moving towards your goal are you reaching your goal instead of daily right because I've done I've done daily out of curiosity and it just fluctuates way too much to really do anything in terms of helping me achieve my goal all it does is stresses me out it's like I can weigh myself one day and two days later I'm three pounds heavier and then three days later I'm three pounds lighter I just think weight fluctuates a lot throughout the week and it also fluctuates a lot throughout the day so what you weigh in the morning trust me is not what you weigh at 8 p.m. before you go to bed so I think Mm -hmm. just having a consistent day of the week and a consistent time where you weigh yourself um, does well for helping you track but obviously I'm also an advocate of if you can wait a couple weeks or wait a month if you feel like you're following your plan and you feel good and you feel like you're genuinely changing your habits Um, but that doesn't work for everyone because some people don't have the discipline to kind of stick to their plan if they're not at least seeing what the progress is so you kind of have to do what works for you but um, I'm definitely against doing it daily though. You know, another myth is um, if you work out more, if you exercise more, the weight comes off. I don't think, I think it's, um, I think when it comes to exercise, I think a lot of people focus a little bit too much on um, quantity instead of quality. So Mm -hmm. I think, um, especially as busy mothers, I think it's far more important to focus on am I doing the right exercise? Am I burning the most amount of calories that I can in this given period of time? 
Am I building muscle? Am I working the right parts of my body? Um, so, yeah, I think someone can work out for 30 minutes and burn more calories and make a lot more progress than someone who's doing something for like an hour and a half. So um, I don't think it's a matter of just let me just keep working out more, let me just keep working out more. I think that's um, not effective if you're not doing the right workout. And obviously you may have to modify what you can do. So if you have like um, joint problems or some other um physical problem that kind of limits what you're able to do, then, yeah, you can't maybe do like a 30-minute kickboxing class, even though it burns a lot more calories. Maybe walking is the best approach for you, and that's fine. But in addition to the walking, are you incorporating some type of um, resistance training? Are you building your muscle? Are you doing other things to contribute towards your weight loss other than simply walking every day? And then I also think food is a big part of it. So, um, I hate to bust anyone's bubble, but I don't believe that you can, you know, work out every day and eat what you want and think you're going to lose weight. I think some people <laughs> wish that were true because um, a lot of people don't actually mind working out. So they're kind of like, if I can work out all the time, then, you know, I'll eat what I want and then the weight will still come off. But it doesn't work that way. I think your diet actually plays into how much you weigh um, more than the physical activity does. Um, So it is definitely a combination of both. Um, Years ago, I trained for a marathon, and I thought, surely, with all of that running I was doing every day, (laughs) I was just going to lose weight. But the problem was I was running so much, it increased my appetite. So I was eating so much that even though I was putting in all those miles, I really wasn't losing weight Um, at all. I didn't gain weight, but I didn't lose any weight either. Um, So I think it's a misconception that, you know, if you're, like, fit, and that's probably one of the times in my life where I was, like, really fit, Um, I don't think um, if you focus on fitness but you don't focus on your diet that you'll reach your goal. I think you do have to find a way, like a happy medium, both of them have to come together. You know, I remember um, when I was in the military and we went to go to the gym all the time and... You'd see the guy at the gym who would be kind of, like you say, what do you do with your time and the intensity? He'd be do a couple of uh, weightlifting exercises, then walk around and look at himself in the mirror, do a couple <laughs> more. But then his arms and legs looked nice, but he had a, the big gut. You know, it's like so he, you know, and that's where you know when a man carrying that much weight in his stomach and his belly wasn't doing any good for his heart, in the, in that overall total health approach that you talk about um, makes a big difference for getting back to being healthy versus what we look like, what our weight is. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I think, um, you know, I have friends that are thinner than I am. They're naturally thin. They've been thin their whole lives. Um, but I'm also certain that if we were to do a race together, I would definitely last a lot longer than they would, right? <laughs> So I know that I I know for a fact that, you know, your size um, or maybe you having, you know, some nice cuts in your arm is not necessarily always a true indicator of like how healthy you are. Um, And, you know, to kind of stick with this whole overall health thing, um, I do believe that you can also maybe look like you're thin or you may appear to be healthy, but you may be struggling a lot emotionally. Um, you may be dealing with some underlying issues in your life that you haven't addressed. Um, you may be genetically just naturally a little bit thinner and you're still eating like um, really bad foods 
every day. Um, and the way you look doesn't really tell me a whole lot about what your um, blood sugar levels are or what your blood pressure is or anything like that. So I think, um, I think yeah, like what you see is not always what you might think it is. Um, so we do have to figure out, like, um, you know, what what are my what are my individual goals? And that's always like the first step with clients that I work with. What what are your individual goals? Like, do you do you know where your health currently stands? Do you know things that you need to focus on? Do you know how you got to this point? Is it something that runs in your family? Um, and you kind of have to tackle all of those things to kind of help reach um, the point that you want to reach. You know, what about the person, you know, there that tells the heavier person, um, it's not that hard. You just got to put your mind to it. <laughs> um, I, you know, I don't think, I think um, when it comes to anyone in your life that needs to reach any goal, whether it's a weight loss goal or a health goal or a fitness goal, I don't think it ever serves that person well for you to tell them that it's not that hard, right? Because I think everyone's life experience is individualized. So I'm never happy when I hear anyone really say that about anything um, because I kind of feel like you're undermining that person's um, personal experience and um, what's going on for them internally. And I I do think reaching um, health and wellness goals, I do think it's hard. Um, I think it's hard work, and I don't think telling someone, like, you know, it's easy, just do it, um, helps them in any way. I think it just minimalizes, like, the effort that has to go into it. Like, I don't I don't think um, it needs to be torturous, like some people make it seem, and I don't think you should be, you know, stuck doing things that you hate. I think there are ways to make it fun. I don't think you should be eating foods that you think are disgusting every day. So I, I definitely don't believe in that approach. Um, like, if you hate running, I think you're perfectly capable of losing weight without ever having to run. You know what I mean? So I don't think we should be stuck in making people feel like it's not that hard. Just do this, do this, do this. Like this one, you know, one size fits all model where it's like everyone do these same things and you'll reach your goal um, or eat this, eat this, eat this. Because I enjoy food and I think food can be good for you and still taste good. I don't want to eat a bowl of food that's bitter and gross and I don't like it, even if it is supposed to help with my health. Um, so, yeah, so I, I, I think it's hard, um, but I think it's also very doable. Um, but I also think it's such a personal journey. So if someone is struggling with losing weight or changing their eating habits or reaching a goal, you really don't know what's behind that, and you really don't know why it's such a struggle for them, and you really don't know their personal story. So I think to pass any kind of judgment or to imply that they're not trying hard enough is really unfair because you're not quite sure what's going on. For example, I know someone who um, was struggling with eating out a lot and just um, just not the healthiest eating habits. And they recognized that that was a huge issue for them. But this person also shared with me once that um, they think part of that is because they grew up in a really poor household. And a lot of times they would go to bed without dinner 
or they would have one meal a day because that's all their um, mom could afford. Or, you know, food just wasn't as accessible. So now that they are successful and working and they have money, they kind of feel like that's a major perk of it. Like they don't have to struggle anymore. They can access food whenever they want. But that's, you know, that makes perfect sense. And that's something that that person needs to kind of work through. And that's like a valid reason for why maybe spending, you know, too much on food or eating out is important to them because it's something they never was were able to experience as a child. So I think because everyone's experience, life experiences are so individual, we have to kind of be respectful about why someone is struggling and why they are where they are. Because if you don't give people that support and respect, I don't see how they're going to be able to achieve their goals. Mm. You, you you talk a lot about busy moms. Um and it's it's a challenge when you're working, when you have children, if you're married, if you you know in a relationship, to be able to even find balance with healthy habits and all of those other things, the overwhelm, the frustration, and the stress. So, what would you say? What what would be a tip that you can give to the busy moms out there? Um. There's probably a lot. (laughs) Um, I think one tip that I share with moms a lot, um, which seems so simple, but I've realized that so many moms just won't do it or it's really hard for them Mm -hmm. to get to a place where they can comfortably do it, is ask for help. Um, Ask for help and accept help. Um, I think that's really, really hard um, for women to do. And I think that has made one of the biggest differences um, in my life. Um, I remember a few years ago, I would get so mad at my husband because I would be like ripping and running all over this house, doing this, doing that. Um, and then I also, you know, between that and the kids, and then my, I have a mom who has um, a lot of health issues. So that takes up a lot of my time as well. And I would kind of just get so annoyed with him because I'd be like, doesn't he – see that I need help with this, like he's just going to sit there, like he's not going to get up and do it for me or help me do it or whatever. And then finally I realized, you know what, he may genuinely be completely oblivious to how much I'm struggling, right, because I'm not opening my mouth to explain to him how I feel right now, and I just want him to read my mind and do what I want him to do. So in that moment, I realized that, you know what, if I need him to do something, I need to just ask him to do it and tell him that I either can't do it right now or it's too much for me or I just need help. And I started doing that, and it made such a difference. It seems so small and so ridiculous because we live in the same house, but just me asking, nine times out of ten when I ask him to do something, he'll do it. Um, But if I wasn't asking, he was just kind of – you know, watch me do (laughs) what I was doing. And as women, we seem so strong, and it seems like we got it, we got this, we got that, we can handle it, the kids are asking us for stuff, we we got it covered. And we do this great job of making it seem like we can juggle it all, then oftentimes the people in our immediate circle don't even really realize that we're struggling because you're putting on this front that you're strong or that you have it all pulled together and somehow we're still juggling all these things at home, but we still look good when we leave the house. And it kind of gives this perception that, like, 
uh, I don't know how she's doing it, but she's clearly doing it. She seems fine. She seems sane. So I guess she's okay. Um, and a lot of times she's not. She's struggling on the inside. She's crying before she goes to sleep at night. She's not focusing on taking care of herself. Um, she has, you know, symptoms, and she hasn't made a doctor's appointment in six months because she's so busy doing everything for everyone else. Um, so I think asking for help is really important. And accepting help is really important. So I'm currently pregnant with my third child. And um, I remember a few years ago, like, you know, a lot of times your friends or people you know, neighbors will offer to help you with something or do something. And you'll kind of say, like, no, I got it, because you don't want to put anyone out. And you don't want to inconvenience people. And you don't want people to feel like, you know, you're asking for too much or you want them to do too much. So a lot of times I would, you know, tell people it was okay. And I would figure it out and do it on my own. And I have learned that if you offer, the answer is yes, I will take your help. So I've gotten offers from friends and family and neighbors to cook meals for me when the baby's born and to help with stuff so that I can manage. And I've said yes to every offer Um, because the truth is I need a tribe to make this happen, and I'm not going to try to be cute and act like I'm doing this all by myself. I'm not. So if you want to cook some lasagna for me that I can put in the freezer, yes, and thank you so much. So much, I will gladly take it. Um, and I think that's hard. It seems so small, and you know, it makes me laugh too. But honestly, maybe five, ten years ago, I would have said nah because I didn't want to put someone out, and I didn't want people, you know, spending all that time. But the truth is, if people offer to help you, it's okay to say yes and accept the help. Um, and I think that's how we get caught up in this trap of not taking care of ourselves because we don't want to ask for help, yeah. and we rarely want to accept help. So we end up doing so many things that, honestly, if someone was helping us a little bit, that would give us that little 30-minute window so we could do something for ourselves or that little 45-minute window so we could take care of ourselves, so we can walk, so we can focus on our fitness, so we can go to a therapy session, whatever it is that we need to do, just asking for a little bit more help or accepting help from the people in our tribe would actually give us that little bit of room that we need to do those things um, to focus on wellness and self-care. You know, that is one of the biggest challenges that you see with a lot of women is how many times have, you know, people offered and our response (laughs) is no, you know, I don't Mm -hmm. need the help or, as you said, (laughs) I don't want to put anybody out. And you see Mm -hmm. that so often. Um, but that's a, a a wonderful correlation to being able to let go of some things so that you can get your health in order, that you can start establishing healthy habits. I remember when we were more of a tribe, where we more we what is it? It takes a village, mm-hmm. and I think we've lost a lot of that concept where we were supporting each other. We allowed ourselves, like you said, accepting it to be able to receive that support. <clears throat> now I know you have been selected to speak at the pink event. I'm so excited to uh, see you speak that day. And I can't wait. Title, your, <laughs> the title of your presentation is How to Make Choices That Will Lead to a Healthier, Happier Life, the same one um, we titled this one. What made you select that topic for the pink event? You know, I chose that topic because over the last few years, I've noticed that so many women um, that I know, some close friends, some women I just meet at conferences, women that I've worked with, um, clients that I've worked with, um, I noticed that a common struggle that um, 
a lot of women have is that they've relinquished their power to choose. So they're kind of just floating through life in this sense of like, you know, these are the cards I've been dealt. I'm just going to deal with it. I don't really have the right to complain. Like, you know, I chose to have three kids. So I'm just going to deal with what comes with it. I'm not going to complain about it. I'm not going to, you know, fuss about it. But the reality is that even if you made that choice, you always have a, the power to make other choices, too, that can make your life better. Um, so I think it's important to kind of remind women and empower women so that they recognize, like, hey, this is not just the hand I've been dealt. Um, and regardless of the choices I've made up until this point, good and bad, um, I have the power to make different choices every time I wake up in the morning. Um, and the choices I make have a significant impact on my health. They have a significant impact on the quality of my life. And they have a significant impact on how happy I am. And I think if you ask any mom, um, She's going to say that she wants her family to be happy. Um, she wants her kids to be healthy and happy. Um, <clears throat> she wants, if she's married, she wants her spouse to be healthy and happy. If she has extended family nearby, she wants them. That's what she wants. She wants the best for the people that she loves. Um, and I think it's so important for us to realize that you have to make choices that results in you living your best life if you truly want the best for the people that you love. Because ultimately, it's not going to serve your kids well if you're neglecting your health and saying no to yourself all the time so that you can say yes to everyone else. And I know that from experience because that's what my mom did. And from the time I was in my 20s, I've been doing a lot to take care of my mom's health. And that's because my mom neglected her health a lot when I was growing up. And I don't want that for my kids, you know. I don't want my kids to have to take care of me when they're 22, 23, because I didn't take care of myself the entire time I was raising them. So I think it serves everyone we love better if we can kind of change our mindset and condition ourselves to recognize that we have the power to choose and that we can make better choices every day so that we can live better lives. You know, you have so many different ways that you work with clients and that you help them. Um, and I know you have the, you have your Healthy Habits Handbook, your seven-day email course. Um, could you share, you know, some of the programs and how someone could uh, have access to them if they wanted to? Yeah, absolutely. So if you visit my website, um, which is my name, martineforeman.com, um, that's pretty much the hub where you can access everything I do. So I write. I'm a writer um, as well as a speaker and a coach. So um, through the site you can access my writing if you want to read content um, that I've created about health and wellness. Um, if you're interested in the seven-day email course um, to help you, you know, develop healthier habits, and then I also have um, a free healthy habits handbook, you can access those by visiting the site as well. You just sign up with your email, and then you'll receive either the digital workbook or you'll get instant access to the seven-day email course. Um, so both are available on the site. The email course is a pop-up that will come up, so you can sign up that way. And then if you'd prefer the handbook, it's going to be the announcement bar that's at the top of the website. And then I also offer a number of coaching programs. So based on where you are um, in terms of your journey and what you're trying to accomplish, um, I have three levels of coaching programs that you can sign up for to work with me. And then I also have um, – 
a virtual program called 30 Day Shift, and it's a program designed to help you shift your mindset um, in 30 days. So the program comes with daily emails that you would get from me for 30 days, and you also get a 60-page handbook to kind of help you work through the content that I share through the emails. And you also get um, access to two recorded um, training sessions, 45-minute training sessions, where I cover the material um, to help you achieve the level of success um, that I'd like to see you achieve in 30 days. So, um, so yeah, and I also do individual coaching um, as well. So if someone's interested in just coaching with me for a few hours instead of one of the package, packages, that's an option as well. But all of that stuff is on the website. So if you click on Work With Me or if you click on Programs, you'll see um, – how you can access those things. And um, if you want to email me and ask me questions, you can definitely do that and just send your email to info at martineforman.com. And you also, um, I know I'm, I'm going to encourage my listeners to save the date in the DMV area for your wellness retreat is going to be in October of this year. It is, it is. This is going to be my first live <laughs> event. So I'm really excited about it because <laughs> um, I'm just excited about it for so many reasons. I won't even go on because I could probably like fill your ear for like another 30 minutes. But I'm I'm working on it now. I have a couple of meetings coming up. So as soon as I secure um, the specific date and the location, I'll kind of start sharing that information. But yeah, that'll happen in October, and it'll be in the DMV area. So I'm really excited about that. Um, and then actually at the end of the year, I'm going to have a vision party um, to help people plan for 2018. So um, that will happen at the end of this year. So I'm excited about that too. You know, we're down to our last couple of minutes. And I'd like, what's the final takeaway that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Final takeaway. <clears throat> you know, I, I think um, I would love to remind women that um, we should be investing more in what we need um, than than what we do and what we want. So, and I say that to me, Nick, a lot of times as women, I think we invest a good deal of our time and energy in um, making sure our homes look nice and making sure our clothing looks right and making sure our hair looks right and that we look presentable and doing all those things. And don't get me wrong, I believe those things are important because they make you feel good, and I get it. But I think sometimes we do that and then we completely neglect investing in the things that we need. Um, So we neglect um, going to therapy. We neglect gym memberships. We neglect going on a retreat that's going to feed your soul. We neglect spending a weekend with girlfriends. We just neglect all of those things that we truly need to kind of help us thrive and to help us be our best selves. So like I said, I'm not against investing in the things that you want, but I think it's really important for us to kind of reflect and take a step back and ask ourselves, am I investing in what I need as well? And that it doesn't always mean a financial investment, but am I also investing my time and my energy and my resources in the things that I truly need to be a better me instead of always just investing in the things that I want? That is awesome. Thank you so much for being here today on Let's Coach. Um, everybody, this is just a, a brief brief segment of what you're going to get when you hear Martine speak at the Pink Event. So check that out at thepinkevent.net 
And then also go to her website at martineforman.com where you can find out more about her as well as all the great programs, transformational programs that she offers. Thank you again, Martine, for being with us. We are literally down to the last minute, but I do Thank appreciate you so it. This much. Was wonderful. It this was, was it was, and, and it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. So for our listeners out there back uh, next week, subscribe so you'll get your alerts for the show next week. We'll be back here noon Wednesday with our next guest, who's also, uh, it is, I believe we're having Sheila Timchin. We're going to get into our romance series for the month. Um, it's either Sheila or it's another speaker, speaker for the Pink event. But just be here, because our shows are awesome, and we enjoy being here with you. So thanks so much. Another ending, another episode here of Let's Coach. And remember, if it ain't broke, make it better. Thanks, and have an awesome have blessed an awesome week. Awesome